Welcome to Keep 100 Radio. I'm your host, Lissy Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including lessons we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from experts that I trust inside the community so you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. Keep 100 Radio is brought to you in collaboration with StinGrip, the only patch company that I trust with my diabetes devices. I started using StinGrip about two years ago, and before I found them, my Deathcom would last maybe four or five days before falling off, making it really hard to lift weights, hike with my dogs, or just wanting to do the everyday things that I love. But now I can confidently travel, work out, and navigate life with diabetes without having to worry about dealing with insurance more than I have to, begging for replacements, and resorting to finger parts. Plus, I'm in love with their mission to help us live fearlessly with diabetes. You can check out StinGrip at StinGrip.com and save 10% on your order by using the code LISSIE, L-I-S-S-I-E, at checkout. Hello, welcome back to TP100 Radio. I am super excited, and I, I know I say that for every single episode, that I'm so excited for this episode, but I'm truly so excited for this episode because I have my two favorite people on this episode with me. I have my co-coaches, Jessica Cook. Well, your last name actually changed. I'll let you pronounce that one. And Val Garcia. They're my co-coaches inside of our signature coaching program, Keep It 100, which is why this podcast is named what it is. But I will let them actually introduce themselves. Um, Jess, do you want to kick it off? Sure. Yeah. So my name just changed to Jessica Herlicka, <laughs> um, but I am a registered dietitian. I'm also a certified diabetes educator and I'm the nutrition coach in keeping it 100. Um, I myself do not have type one diabetes, um, but I have worked in the diabetes field now for about a decade, which is crazy. Um, but I love it. Um, and I initially got into diabetes when I was in school for nutrition. Uh, my dad was diagnosed with type two and I really started to deep dive into the world of diabetes and realized, wow, a lot of things I learned (laughs) weren't really true or weren't, um, being conveyed the way diabetes really is. So that's how I got interested in and I love it. Um, yeah, happy to be here. (laughs) It's so crazy because you were in the diabetes field before I was even diagnosed. (laughs) I just think that's so crazy. Like you're already living in it. Um, all right, well pass it on to Val, the newest member on our team. Yes. Hey guys, I'm Val. Um, if I've not met you yet, I am an alumni of the Keeping It 100 program. I am also the woman's wellness coach inside of Needles and Spoons, and I'm so happy to be on this podcast with you guys. Um, and so what I do with the Keeping It 100 ladies is we really talk about our cycle, how it impacts our diabetes management, how to create you know, a relationship with our cycle that helps us because as we know, in our diabetes management, there's so many layers and our menstrual cycle is one of those layers. And once we kind of reconnect with those rhythms, we start to live in alignment and harmony with our body. And it feels really good so that we feel ready. And we have some strategy from like week to week and month to month. Um, And also I'm a type one diabetic. So in January will be six years, which also sounds wild to say. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah. And so I was diagnosed when I was 23, I'm 29 now. And Being a part of the Needles and Spoons team, working in the diabetes community and meeting so many people in the community has been 
such a beautiful experience and one that I never expected. So I'm happy to be here and chatting with two of my favorite people also. Oh, (laughs) I'm so pumped. So if you haven't really realized by now, we take a very holistic approach to diabetes management. So I'm sure that we've all kind of heard that cut and dry of like count your carbs and take your insulin. And that's just kind of how you manage your diabetes. Don't go too high. Don't go too low. And that's not really our style. (laughs) We really like to take that blended approach of everything. Everything impacts everything but in a way that doesn't feel too overwhelming, or at least I hope not, but in a really beautiful way of that we can kind of take everything, combine it together and make it all work together in a way that doesn't make us feel restricted. doesn't make us feel limited by living with diabetes. Um, I don't know about, I mean, you Val, like I I felt really limited when I was diagnosed. I was like, wow, this is going to change the entire outcome of my life. I'm going to have to like stop doing the things that I love which actually, yeah, I know that you can relate to. We, you oh, were yeah. I'm like a hundred percent. I can envision like, I, there's just so many things that pop up just hearing you say that. I remember just getting on the plane. I was diagnosed in another country and getting on the plane, coming back to the U S I remember my mom, she like got me like a cheeseburger or something at like Carl's jr. I just remember her like opening it, taking off the bread and being like here. And I was like, oh, is this going to be my life? Like, I just like, was like, I am not accepting. And like, you know, that limiting belief, but really that's exactly how I felt. So limited, so restricted, put in a box and just knowing who I was, I was like, I am not going in this box because diabetes has to keep up with me somehow because I just, I don't live that way and I cannot have something slow me down. So yes, I relate to that in so many areas. Right. I love how you say like, I'm not going to like diabetes has to keep up with me because I feel like there's so many components. Like, yes, we can feel restricted in our food. We feel restricted in like even the exercise that we do. Like I grew up as a gymnast. So diabetes for me was like, wow, I'll never feel strong again. Like that was heartbreaking. And then like, I feel like there's so many different components too that nobody really talks about. Like I thought it might affect my ability to like have a family one time or like to have a relationship. And I mean, it just goes to show that like we truly take that like restriction free approach inside of the program. And I mean, I couldn't do that without you guys because of the expertise that you bring into the program and into what we're going to kind of talk a lot about on this episode, um, which I mean, we had a full conversation <laughs> with the other night that I'm really excited to kind of dive back into. Um, but kind of like we were saying, like we're kind of given this advice when we're diagnosed of like stick to your routine or diabetes thrives off a routine like count your carbs try and eat the same thing every day try to eat around the same time or do the same type of exercise and like I personally feel like that was really poor advice that I got because when I started noticing that my my blood sugars were super crazy I was like this isn't working and I thought of something that I was doing wrong Yeah, totally. And even just going back to those moments of, yeah, those first moments when you get this like advice, there's like a lot of voices talking and a lot of information coming in. And a lot of it felt very like fear-based, right? Like there's all this fear attached to all this advice that's going out there. And it just puts you in this, this seat of, oh my God, I'm scared because they're saying all these things could happen, but there's also all these other possibilities that can happen too, that aren't necessarily like highlighted and talked about like, yes, you can go surfing. Yes. You can travel. Yes. You can eat a tortilla. You know, all of those conversations aren't in there. And so it immediately puts you in this spot, like, whoa, I have to be careful every single second of my life, because if I don't, something really bad's going to happen. 
But as you like, I think as we've progressed in these journeys, we've kind of started thinking how the, seeing how these different things sync together and how the reality is so different as the person experiencing diabetes versus like the voices talking about it around you. It's a very different um, experience. But yeah, I think looking back at those moments, I was so afraid. I can like see myself sitting in those offices and feeling afraid. And, you know, Jess is someone that supports diabetics, sits in those offices. And I'm sure, you know, you see all kinds of people, people that come to you with that fear or people that come to you like, I'm not listening. I mean, there's so many different styles of management and I can only, you know, imagine what those conversations have been like for you. Yeah, I definitely see that fear and anxiety as you were talking and even like seeing my my dad diagnosed as well. Um, and I think it kind of starts that train of like the shame and the guilt when things aren't working, that it's completely placed on you as the person with diabetes. And that can lead to a whole other set, you know, of um, issues, which is not fair and it shouldn't feel that way when you're, you know, diagnosed with diabetes. Yeah. is when we're given this like oversimplified kind of like it's addressed in such an oversimplified way of, Oh, just count your carbs, just take your insulin or Hey, like you can manage better if you are exercising every day, not eating a lot of carbs or losing weight to increase your insulin sensitivity. It's like when that doesn't work, we're like, what is wrong with us? Like it should be easy, but this isn't working. Like, why isn't it working? I think we've all experienced that in one way or another throughout our diagnosis. Oh yeah. And like, if you think about like life outside of that, like this like linear way of looking at things, like in order to get to like this end result or to meet this goal, you have to do it this way, but with everything, right? Like you don't have to go to college right when you get out of high school, you can go to college anytime, or, you know, you can change your career anytime, but these ways of looking at it. And I felt the same way with diabetes. It was like, you have to do it this way. If you're not doing it this set way, then you're off track and things are going to go bad. But when I was sticking to that, like, oh, I have to be on this one track that they're saying, that's when I saw the resistance. That's where I was frustrated I was crying like once a month and I was like, this, I can, this is not okay. Like, this is not how it's meant to be. This doesn't feel like me. It really felt like I was someone else. I was trying to fit in someone else's box. Um, and just, you know, looking at things now from like a different perspective with now looking at life and more of like this holistic and all these things connecting, it's like, wow, it was really like this box and it did cause like more overwhelm than I think it was intended to, but it's hard. There's just not one way to do things with really anything. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Like I remember when I was living in Miami, that was kind of like the first time. So for anybody who's not familiar, like I moved to Miami in 2017 for a job that I had just gotten. And that was like the first time I was really living on my own. It was about three years into my diagnosis. And I was like, okay, this can kind of be like my time to do things right. Like, right. Like live that healthy lifestyle, do the corporate job thing, like be a, be an adult, not just like a college student anymore. (laughs) And so like, I tried to do that. And I tried to do like, to your point, like the linear thinking of like, Oh, just go to your, like eat the same thing every day, do the routine, do your job, meet people, be social, like just kind of like do what's expected of you and do what you're told from your doctors. And that's kind of like, keep it simple. And I thought that it should be simple. So I was like eating the same thing every day. I remember making the exact same bowl of oatmeal every single morning. 
my oatmeal, my protein powder, my little like chocolate chips. Like I tried to make it really good. I took the same exact pre-bolus every single day, the same exact commute, worked eight hours, did another hour commute home, then did like an hour long high intensity interval training workout in my little apartment gym. And then like rotated between like three low carb meals for dinner. And that was like my day. That was like the entire day. And I was like, wow, things like should be working because I'm doing things the quote unquote healthy way. I'm doing things in a routine. Um, I should be feeling energetic, but I was like so tired. My, my blood sugars were so stubborn all the time. I was living in like the two and three hundreds. And I was like, why am I like, why is my A1C not showing for all this quote unquote hard work that I was doing? And it just like, didn't feel good. I don't know. That whole like how you said it, that linear thinking just did not fit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah, my experience was like very similar to that. And even, you know, before I found needles and spoons and started working or yeah, working with Lissy as a client, I was still like in that mentality a lot of, in a lot of ways. Like I was still living really restricted because I thought in my head, like, oh, if I eat less carbs, I'm going to use less insulin. So I'm going to be doing better, but really it just felt like icky and I didn't feel good. And I had those like energy dumps and it wasn't showing up anywhere, like in any parts of my body, like it just all didn't feel good. Um, but then again, I had never heard a voice saying the opposite. So I had never heard someone really, and you know, I was 23 when I got diagnosed. So I had never really met other type one diabetics, and especially no one that was talking about how, Hey, how's your mental health? Like, how is your mindset around it? Like, how are your relationships with your diabetes? Like, how is dating? Like no one had ever asked me those questions ever until I like started working with Lissy. And it really made me think in such a different way in my management. I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. All of those things have so much to do with my blood sugars and how I'm feeling, but I just, it hadn't clicked yet because I hadn't heard a voice that was talking about it and just hearing someone else and their experience and what they've kind of learned on their own allowed me to like really reflect. And that part of like reflecting is so important um, because we're like ever changing and evolving all the time. And so is our management, right? Like we're going to be learning new things or things will feel good one quote unquote season. And then the next season it won't. So it's good to do that zoom in and zoom out because yeah, you were one of the first people that I heard talk about diabetes in this holistic way. And I was like, Whoa, yeah, that a hundred percent makes sense. <laughs> well, I feel like it like made sense for us to think about it in that way of like, okay, if I do what my doctors say, or I just like do the things that should work, then I reduce the variability in my blood sugars. So if I eat less carbs, it makes sense. See less variability. If I do the same things every day, less variability, less, less variables to add into the equation, my blood sugars will be better. I'll have more energy. I'll be happier. I'll have less to worry about. And then it will cycle back to like my mental health and my stress and my, like how my body is feeling, but like, I feel like it's kind of the opposite. It's how everything else cycles into your blood sugar management that kind of allows that to flourish. And like, it should almost be like your blood sugars are a byproduct of all those other factors in your, in your life. I don't, I don't know if anybody like disagrees there, but that's how I see it. Oh yeah, totally. Jess, I'm so curious to know, like, 
you've worked in the field for so many years, like longer than I've been diagnosed. <laughs> so I'm just so curious, like how those conversations go in your office, or do you see like patterns in like the way people talk about their management or anything like that? Yeah, there's definitely, you know, I think when you're first diagnosed or I've seen people that have had diabetes for a long time, still in that low carb mentality and that fear around eating new foods, trying new foods. And like both of you were um, explaining, it really impacts your energy. And when you don't have enough fuel for your body, um, then it's going to impact your mental health and cause more depression. And you're not going to want to be active because you don't have enough energy to be active. And yeah, I see a lot of going back to like, like shame and guilt around even trying new foods or, um, I enjoy this food. So I feel guilty when I'm eating it because it's high in carbs, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and it can be a really hard, um, thing to break in our minds, which I think is so great about our group, <laughs> um, keeping it 100 because people really start to try new foods again and explore new foods and feel excited to do so. Um, so that's what I like, you know, um, when I have people that I'm talking to that I say, you can really eat whatever foods you want. It's kind of like this, like, wow, I can, you know? Um, and then, yeah, everything else is going to improve because you're feeling better. You're actually giving your body fuel that you need. Right. Well, okay. So I did a lot of learning through my NLP certification and for anybody who's listening, that stands for neuro-linguistic programming. So AKA basically how the five senses um, relate to our subconscious programming and our, our mindset around things. And really like it comes down to a lot of those, those, uh, inner dialogues that we create around things, which come from, they can come from actual dialogues. <laughs> like if you think about when you grow up and like, I heard my mom a lot doing like, you know, talking about how she had to like exercise after Thanksgiving or like, you know, those kind of like mindsets that develop from at a young age. And all to say, I think it kind of relates to our diagnosis too, of when we have those dialogues of, oh, to manage your blood sugars, you need to cut the carbs or you need to like avoid carbs in one way or another. You need to now associate your, your food with a number and like, oh, while we're at it, like, Hey, losing weight can help here too. At least that, that's, I, I mean, I kind of had that experience, but a lot of our clients actually have had that experience. So just like, I'm interested to hear from you because you know, a lot of, you know, obviously a lot about nutrition and the body and like, why isn't that advice? Like, why doesn't that work? And why doesn't that actually help our blood sugars? Yeah. So when we're just going low carb to control our blood sugars, like I mentioned before, you're not getting the energy that your body needs first and foremost, but you're not getting that energy for your hormones. So your female hormones, your thyroid hormones, um, and it's actually going to increase your stress hormones, which we know can cause more inflammation and more resistance, um, and more difficulty sleeping and, um, kind of feeding into that. And especially when we do low carb diets for a long period of time, we're really putting that stress on our body where we can lose our periods and, um, you know, you, you don't have energy and then you start to really fear those carbs and it becomes harder to bring them back in. And then, yeah, you know, associating the weight loss with better blood sugar management. Um, I see that, you know, not true 
all the time. Weight really doesn't have anything to do with one or the other. Certainly weight can affect your medication doses. Yeah. Maybe the way you feel so forth. Um, but I think one of the things that you mentioned, Lissy, is feeling strong and having energy and having muscle and feeling like you can do all the activities that you enjoy. That's really what it's about. Um, it's not really about losing weight. It's about having that healthy metabolism where you feel good and you have energy to do the things that you enjoy. So yeah, I think it's a huge disservice when we tell people just lose weight, your blood sugars get better because I've seen a lot of people lose weight. Their blood sugars don't get better from that. Um, definitely healthier food choices can make you feel good, but, um, yeah, the weight and the blood sugars. Yeah. We need to like get rid of that misconception. Like that narrative. Yeah. yeah. That was like, definitely told to me too. I just like had a flashback of like, I remember going to like a new doctor and that was the first thing he said. He was like, Oh, your numbers are like, okay, maybe you should lose like 10 pounds. It'll get better. And I remember being like, Ugh. like, it was just so weird to hear that, especially just like as a young woman, like from a man, there was just so many things that felt not good. And then it, now it like added this layer of like, now I'm like self-conscious. Am I doing a bad job because of like the number I'm at again, that attachment to these numbers. It's like, sheesh, we like see so much in real time and numbers. And then now I'm seeing it now my weight is not the right number. So I remember it being like very impactful for me. And, you know, we've talked about this with um, you know, other guests that we've had with us. And I remember just like in those first like months and like year having such like disordered eating because of those conversations that weren't empowering, they made me afraid and they made me feel like either the way I already was, was not okay. And that like, I had to really like change so much about me. And I already felt like, man, I have to change my food. Now my body needs to change. Like my workouts need to change. Like I always thought of myself as like a healthy person because I felt good. And I looked at food as something that I enjoyed and it, I never had a negative attachment to it until I was diagnosed. So again, those beliefs and that inner dialogue shifted to such a place I had never been before. And I was like, wow, I'm 23 years old. And now I'm questioning so much. And now I feel like I'm doing so much wrong. And I remember like bre that breakthrough of getting past that was so empowering, but I just kept thinking like, oh, I wish there was more conversations to let people know that there are other ways of thinking. And just because people are saying we should do something, it doesn't mean it's the best option for us like right now. Yeah, no, I love that so much because like all these quote unquote well-intended pieces of advice or like really what society tells us or doctors that may not have our individual care kind of in mind are telling us these pieces of advice like the losing weight, like, okay, exercising more can help your blood sugars or you know, eating lower carb, uh, supports your blood sugars more. And while it might not come from that bad place that they want us to feel restricted, it does lean into that mindset because then it's like, okay, then we feel like we have to exercise every single day, even if we're tired, even if we had a long day at work for 10 hours, like we've had, we've had clients who like, they come to me and they're like, let's see, like I'm exhausted. Like I'm in the bathroom at my friend's house after dinner doing squats because I feel like I have to do that to manage my blood sugars. Like that's the only way my blood sugars come down or, you know, like the whole concept of doing these things that add more, doing these things to better our blood sugars, but in reverse, they're actually adding more stress onto our bodies that are having this opposite effect. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. 
I know. I love that you always say like the fire feeds like more fire and it's so true, but it's so hard to see it that way. Cause we just have been so like programmed in just society in general to see like that go, go, go. Like we have to always be accomplishing. We always have to have these goals that we have to meet and reach all the time. And if you don't have a goal that you're like working towards and you're doing it wrong, you know, like there's so much, um, in that. And I think, but you're right. It's the fire feeding the fire makes a bigger fire. And that's really what it is, you know? Right. That's why I think it's like, so it's really poor advice to go off of that narrative of like, first of all, all of those things help your blood sugars, but also that we have to live in this routine day-to-day cycle because that's what diabetes thrives off of when it really doesn't. And we kind of talked about this a little bit on a previous episode. And if you're new here, I highly recommend going back to the episode with Jess Fowl. We talked about all about hormones and hormonal shifts and how that can affect your blood sugars. But on a high level of that, like, do you mind sharing why, why we can't meet our body with just a very routine, um, or a routine approach to really anything, but specifically diabetes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Um, just, you know, specifically talking to like the women in the group, like the second that you step into like your womanhood, you have your first period, like the second you do that, your hormones are going to be shifting throughout the month in such a way that a routine would never fit alongside that. Like it just doing the same thing every day would not work because on an internal level, external level, like you are shifting day to day and week to week. So um, kind of put simply, like you step into this way of moving in a, like a cyclical way. And so in that beginning part of your phase, so there's these four phases in your cycle and how it works is in that first half, you're going to have some like insulin sensitivity. And then in that second half, you might, you know, experience some resistance. And if we don't know that stepping into each month or stepping into, you know, your diabetes at an age where you've already had your period, it's like, oh, I've noticed these patterns before, but I've never been told about it or I never knew about it. So on that internal level, like there's all these shifts going on. Your hormones are shifting from each phase to the other. And so it's super important to know what your body needs, how to highlight the gifts that those hormones are actually doing for your body. And, you know, if we do the opposite of that, you're not only going to see resistance, but like other I I guess you can call them like shadows start to come up, right? Like other things surface, it can be like, you know, heavy mood changes, not feeling good in your body, feeling overwhelmed, feeling frustrated, feeling like you can't tap into your intuition. There's so much there just within that month cycle of your hormones changing and then adding diabetes on top of that or alongside it. If we are doing like, okay, the low carb every single day of the week, doing the same workout every single day it's just not going to work because there's a time of your cycle where high activity and high energy is present. And then there's a time where like this downshift and lower energy is present or this like inactivity. And if we go against that, of course, we're going to see resistance. So if any of you guys have ever felt super, super tired, and then we're like, I'm going to go to the gym so I can feel so much better. (laughs) And then you're like, wow, I still feel super tired. Like that totally didn't work. That's kind of what's happening on this like month long journey that your hormones are going on. And for women, we have totally different hormones fluctuating than the man's body. So, you know, again, comparing ourselves to what's happening with the male hormones and even their diabetes management is going to be a lot different than that for the woman. And just being aware of that 
allows you to be more gentle when you do see those moments of resistance or frustration or over, over overwhelm it allows you to kind of be more gentle in your day-to-day and acknowledge that you're not meant to be the same it's okay to be different it's okay to slow down and it's okay to change up that workout routine and eat different foods because really those hormones need carbs they need certain vitamins and minerals and if we are you know restricting that from our body of course it's not going to thrive of course we won't feel aligned because we're going to feel like depleted and low energy and super drained so you know there's a lot going on in the body and just giving it that appreciation and acknowledgement that that's okay for these shifts to happen i think that's kind of like the first step of awareness with that part especially with our hormones is just being aware that there are shifts and that does affect our blood sugars you know directly so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so important because like I said, when I lived back in Miami and even way before that, when I was growing up doing as a gymnast, you're expected to do the same routine, the same way, every single practice doesn't matter when your competitions are, you're showing up like high level, like you have to put your all into it. And I remember showing up to meets and I was so depleted and I was just so tired. And I was like, what is wrong with me? I just did this routine earlier this week. And now I feel like I can't show up this way, but something that you had said actually stuck out to me. And so just kind of the, the concept of, um, our, like as a woman, our bodies are very naturally different on a hormonal level than the man's. And I'm sorry for any men listening to this. You can totally take this with a grain of salt, but (laughs) I'm just going back to a conversation that we all had. And (laughs) <laughs> the statement actually came from you, Jess. And I just like, it was hilarious because it does actually tie into a lot of these diets that are going around into um, the diabetes community and all these diets, these exercise and workout programs, and just all of these kind of ways of managing our diabetes. And they do kind of fit more of that linear approach of like how the man's body works and <laughs> just you like mind saying like what that was is I just think it was hilarious so I don't remember it verbatim but <laughs> um but I basically said you know we get a lot of our healthcare knowledge or a lot of this diet culture jargon from like old skinny white men <laughs> and um yeah it's definitely damaging to think that everyone's going to eat the same thing and have the same outcomes. And if you just eat the same as everyone else, you're going to be fine and your blood sugars are going to be great. Like it makes no sense. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about that for a minute. So when we take, you know, and this is no shame or anything, but there's, you know, okay. Books such as Dr. Bernstein's low cut or diabetes solution. And he is very into a low carb diet. There's mastering diabetes that is whole food, plant-based, I believe. So high carb, low fat. Um, there are all these kind of like very specific ways of eating specifically for diabetes. And uh, to my knowledge, they don't take into consideration all these hormonal changes, hormonal changes for women. So do you mind just maybe explaining or tapping into like why that can be a disservice to people with periods or people with cycles? (laughs) Yeah. Menstruating humans. (laughs) No. Yeah, totally. And yes, again, those are specific approaches, you know, really looking at the food piece or different like strategy, but on this like hormonal level, we, 
our body is really needing different things. So again, if we go against the grain or go against what that bot, our body truly needs, you know, you'll see it surface in so many ways, whether it's like a really painful period, you know, skin issues, um, you know, no period, all of these things. And there's so many things that can affect that cycle. And so not considering that in these books or in these conversations around diabetes management, like blows my mind because it's a huge, huge impact and influencer on how we experience that day-to-day with our diabetes management. And, you know, when you're looking at, okay, I'm looking at all these areas that everyone's telling me, especially with this insulin resistance that I'm looking at, has anyone mentioned your cycle? Has anyone mentioned your period? Or maybe they only talk about the period part, like when you're bleeding, but your body's going through this cycle throughout the entire month. And, you know, put simply, it's like your body is working really, really hard to, you know, possibly help you get pregnant. Like that's what it's working towards every single month. And it's really looking at everything, right? Like, is the environment safe? Is it safe internally? Is it safe, you know, externally? And then, you know, what can I do if it's not, I need to let this body know that something's wrong. So, you know, when we put it simply like the man's, you know, hormones are going through this like 24 hour period where they're shifting. But for that woman, it's really extended throughout this month long time. And, you know, I just always want to share this like personal experience with me, especially just talking about like the exercise and food piece and my cycle. So there is a time where I was climbing, like indoor climbing, outdoor climbing. And that is like a high intensity movement that I was doing. And I was doing it like almost every day for more than an hour. So sometimes it was like two hours, like an hour and a half. Um, by doing that, I started noticing like, Hmm, I feel very tired. I'm getting this brain fog. My body feels inflamed. And again, I was like, I must be doing something wrong because I'm looking at everyone around me and they don't seem to have that going on. Or maybe they're not experiencing that. Like something's wrong with me. I had no idea, or I didn't even think about my cycle and these hormones that were shifting each week to know like, Hey, maybe when I'm on my period and I do feel tired, stepping into that gym is just adding more stress, more fire to where I'm already at. But it was so hard to see it that way, especially, you know, in, like we said, you know, in society, a lot of the medical information out there, advice, workout programs, all that is created or has been tested on like the male body, the male system, the male hormones. And so for us to see something out there that's really created for the man's body and then expect it to like fit just right for our body, it's just not going to. It's like, you know, again, it's like putting yourself in this other box that is just not going to work and it's not going to feel good. So really, you know, being aware of your patterns in so many ways is just so important. And especially women with your cycle, like understanding and getting intimate and even reflecting on your cycle and like how you felt either throughout the month, what your bleed was like, how your body felt is so important in order to, you know, start seeing improvements or start approaching this insulin resistance, or even noticing like when I am more sensitive, because it is a big key player in you know, syncing your lifestyle to really start flowing with your body versus against the body. Jess, do you have anything? So as we know, like you're a registered dietitian, like you are queen of all this stuff. Do you have anything to add on to why these diets can kind of be dangerous for actually people's cycles and living that hormonal shift? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and some of those diets that you mentioned earlier, you know, some of them are extreme plant-based, low fat. Um, some of them are cutting out entire food groups and we really need those different nutrients from those different food groups to support our hormones and to help like replenish us after we do go through our menstrual cycle. Because as Val mentioned, that's the whole point of it is it's preparing your body for a baby. And we do need different hormones, um, during different phase or sorry, different nutrients during different phases of our cycle to support those different hormones that we're making. Um, and so I definitely see, you know, in my own clients, I've seen when they cut out certain things, then it, um, they actually start losing weight. They have less energy, poor sleep quality. And then once you add all of the other things with your cycle on top of it, you know, we know that your energy starts to wane on some points of your cycle. It's just like a double whammy. And then you're thinking, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I feel this way? There's something else going on. Like I need more tests when you actually probably need more foods to support your body. Um, and that's why I always encourage my clients to have like their B12 and their iron checked and vitamin D checked and things like that, because we can be depleted in those anyway. Um, but especially if we're trying to do low carb or do no fat or only these types of proteins or these types of vegetables, um, it can get really dangerous. And again, it just creates more food anxiety, more cravings, more, you know, wanting to binge on certain foods, or you're feeling guilty. I had a client this week that was feeling guilty for eating their own cultural foods because they're, you know, high in carbs and you shouldn't have to give up foods that you enjoy that you eat with your family. Um, just because they don't support the whole, you know, low carb diabetes <laughs> game. <laughs> And I actually remember part of our conversation a few weeks ago is that, or maybe it was actually during our masterclass, but initially when we, so, and maybe this is just a personal experience thing, but sometimes when we see those higher blood sugars, maybe more resistance, the first thing that we cut out is usually carbs, but actually during certain phases of the cycle, we actually need more carbs, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And your body will give you those signals, you get those cravings for those foods during those times too. So really like what Val was saying, becoming intuitive with our body is really important. Yeah. I just put up a post today on Instagram, actually, that, um, like in a time kind of ties into this, that the insulin resistance that we see is almost a cue or a sign from our body to get curious, almost like all these different signs that our body sends to us. Like when I was in Miami, again, like I had all this internal inflammation, I had a lot of pain. And that was to me, a sign for my body to look inward or me to look inward on my body. And that was saying, Hey, I have a lot of inflammation. That's when I was diagnosed with Crohn's. That was a sign to me that my lifestyle was not supporting my body in that way is adding on more stress and Val to a conversation that kind of ties into this too. You were talking a lot about even PMS and how that goes into, that can be a big, it's so normalized, but that's a big red flag from our body saying something's off here. Yeah, exactly. And that one's huge. And I just love what Jess said about the cravings piece, right? So sometimes we look at cravings like, oh, this is so bad. This is so bad. Or like, I need to ignore this, but it is, it is the body communicating and letting you know, like, Hey, I'm hungry for a certain nutrient or a certain vitamin. I'm hungry for that. And yes, it has very like much so become normalized, like PMS, like, oh, it's like this syndrome. It's so common. Everyone has it. It may be common, but it's not a necessary experience. 
And it doesn't need to be normalized in that way because really what it is, is your body's communicating again, like, Hey, there's some resistance here. And that, you know, resistance is now called PMS, right? But it is, it is just that body again saying, Hey, I don't feel good or I need some extra support or some extra love or better inner dialogue, right? Like the body is really craving some like extra self-care on a lot of levels. It can be on the nourishment level. It can be on the movement level. It can be on lifestyle. There's a lot, right? But again, it's become so normalized that, you know, periods are bad. They're meant to be painful. Um, They're meant to be a bad experience. Like you're meant to be moody when you're on it. But really when you are living in alignment, and you're, you're intentionally making actions or moves or adding habits into your lifestyle that support your hormones and support your body and your hormones in this like cyclical way versus this linear way, you will have those pain-free periods and you will see less resistance because the body again is kind of like back on track to its natural, like roadmap, or I don't know what you want to call it. Like this bio computer that your body is like, you're back on track with it. And you're like, Hey, this is what my body was naturally created to do. And so now that I'm supporting it and doing that, then yeah, I feel good. And you'll be surprised. Like I remember myself when I started implementing this like phase-based strategy in my lifestyle, I was like, not even noticing that I had a period. I was like, Oh yeah, I had a period or like there wasn't all of this like, ah, like right before. And I, I was more predictable. I felt good all month long. I wasn't having all this pain and I wasn't afraid anymore because I was like, oh, I almost felt like I cracked the own code to my body. And it was sad to me also that I was in my twenties now cracking this code of this body that I've lived in for like 20 plus years. Right. Like, but again, it's so normalized these things. And so again, you know, we talk about the word insulin resistance, insulin sensitivity, those are kind of normalized in their own way too, to, to initially when we hear them to think something, right? Like initially you think insulin sensitivity, good insulin resistance is bad. But if we get curious, like, Hey, insulin resistance is actually like a message. Like, let me get curious. Let me lean into that. Like, what does that mean for my body and not everyone else's around me? Because again, we all experience our menstrual cycle, we experience our diabetes management in such a different way. And, you know, I'm sure Jess sees that in, with all her clients, like every single person that walks in there is different. They have a different style, a different way they even see life. And again, like me and Lissy, right? We have a holistic approaches, but we're still different people and we experience things differently. And so I think, you know, being able to lean in and get curious is like such a important piece of the management part and just like as growth you know to be curious about things that may feel uncomfortable or you might feel some discomfort it's not not necessarily a bad thing <laughs> yeah we we kind of have this same concept insulin resistance is such a normalized concept and while okay at the end of the day insulin resistance insulin sensitivity same thing different spectrum but you know, it's such this normalized thing that we go to our doctor's office and we just, they just kind of pass it off and say, Hey, that's just a normal part of diabetes. Um, or, Hey, here's some like other medications that might help. And it's just kind of passed off. But to your point of that, we can treat each level of resistance with a different approach. It can change the game. Like when we are seeing insulin resistance, but we're meeting it with high intensity workouts, or we're meeting it with a diet that's not serving our body at that time, or we're meeting it with these really like productive and high energy uh, demanding activities, we're at the end of the day, fighting fire with fire. 
And we can kind of lean into, I love how you use the term phase-based because that's really like what it is. Phase-based, syncing, cyclical, like all those words, I think really tie into like what we can utilize with our insulin sensitivity. Whether you are a, a person with a period, if you're on hormonal birth control, like there are different ways that you can utilize it, I think, um, at the end of the day. And that's kind of what we have been working on, on behind the scenes of needles and spoons. We have been working on, can I like drum roll and like announce it? <laughs> you may have seen it. Go, go, go. <laughs> you may have seen it on Instagram by now, but we have been working behind the scenes over the past few months on the insulin sensitivity syncing method. And it all goes back, it all ties into this entire um, concept of that we can work with our body to, to support our in insulin sensitivity and work with our body during these different hormonal shifts through this kind of phase-based syncing uh, method. So should we take them like behind the scenes of the, mm -hmm. of, of the four different, uh, four different phases of the method? Go for it, Lissy. Do it. Right. I'm, I'm like ready. I'm like here. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Okay, let's start from square one. I am like ready to go off the rails. Um, so inside this insulin sensitivity syncing method, we it is an interactive guide where we take all of our clients through trainings. We take them through a step-by-step -step approach to navigating this insulin sensitivity, insulin resistance um, through this four-phase method. So first we start by, uh, you know, obviously explaining why, just like this podcast, why certain methods haven't worked so far, why different strategies can actually be fighting fire with fire. So that whole concept of adding more resistance. And then we take you through the four different strategies. So we start with phase one of the, of the method, which is syncing with your hormones. So Val, do you want to kind of talk about a little bit about that and like what people can expect from that phase? Yes. So in the phase of talking about navigating our hormones, I really break down what in your body, these four phases as a woman that your body is going through each month. And I really talk about on the nourishment level, movement level, um, lifestyle level, how all of that really plays a role and impacts how we're feeling through these like shifts that we're having and how, when we do, you know, roll with them or move alongside them, we start feeling really good and kind of doing the opposite of the insulin resistance, we start building that energy, we start feeling really good, things start shifting in our blood sugars, and just kind of talking about what they skipped over in like grade school or high school, and kind of allowing that also to be like an open space of conversation. So if you're listening to this, and you're getting uncomfortable, because we're saying periods or blood or menstrual cycle, like this, my section definitely talks about all of those things. And I hope that it would allow you guys to really feel comfortable and get curious again with that relationship that you have with your cycle. And if you feel like you don't have, you know, a relationship, really what it is, is it's navigating you through connecting with these natural rhythms that your body is going through, you know, all the time, whether you've had a period in your life, you've never had a period or you're, you know, approaching that downshift into menopause, like all these different rhythms are always happening and we live with them. Um, so just allowing you guys to have a little more perspective and education on these four phases and what navigating the hormones really looks like. Yeah, I think that honestly, it's like one of the biggest sections inside the guide, because I can't tell you how many 
potential clients and people on even on Instagram that I talk to on a day-to-day basis where they're like, where was this information from my endocrinologist? Like we never learned it. I'm trying to figure it out for myself and learn my body's natural rhythms, but this can actually take out that guesswork because you almost know what to expect or you know how to track your cycle. We give you a full uh, interactive tracker to help support you in that area, um, what tell you exactly what to look for and really how to approach that navigation. So we move into phase two where we kind of build off of that, that foundation. So think of phase one as foundation setting definitely encourage you to take the time, really sit with that, and then build off of it in phase two, where we help you sync with your nutrition and your movement. So I'll kind of let Jess talk a little bit about the nutrition aspect, and then I'll talk about the exercise aspect. Yeah, so in the uh, nutrition part of the method, you know, we go over the different phases and the different nutrients that you may want to focus on, depending on which phase that you're in. Um, and also some of the science behind, you know, why those nutrients may be necessary, um, different cravings that you might experience. But we also talk a little bit about, you know, um, what types of recipes might be good during this time, how your digestion might feel at certain times during your cycle, um, how to manage some of that, you know, insulin resistance through food and, um, how to maintain energy levels, which I think is huge during different parts of our cycle. And there's a lot you can do to support that with your food and nutrition. Um, and then also there's a ton of yummy recipes in (laughs) the guide. Um, and I made them, they're super flavorful, but they're also easy. So there's nothing, you know, super complicated, like buying all these expensive powders and things like that, but just normal, you know, healthy foods that you can enjoy at different times, um, during your cycle that can help support your hormones, support your energy and your blood sugars and make you feel good. And she really leaves no room for guesswork. She really highlights what, you know, nutrients to focus on, what she gives you entire food bank of things that you can focus on as well. And then gives you recipes to kind of bring into, yeah, like she said, bring into each phase. So you can literally just it's like a plug and chug method. It's amazing. So inside that phase, we also talk about workouts. So if you've been listening to this episode, then you can probably get the hint that not all of our workouts really serve our body in the same purpose during each phase. So again, our workouts can actually add more stress onto our body if they're not being used in the right timeframe. So when we are doing those high intensity workouts, yes, those improve insulin sensitivity to a certain point during times where your body is feeling energized, when you have gotten a lot of rest, when you are, you know, in certain parts of your cycle and overall it's not adding more stress onto your body. Whereas other other points of our cycles, or even just when we're experiencing natural resistance. So think of those nights where you're not getting a lot of sleep, where you're feeling more stressed at work, when you're having a fight with your significant other and your blood sugars are just not feeling it. That's where we meet your body with um, more low intensity, low impact movement. It doesn't even have to be a necessarily a workout, but just integrating that movement into your, those parts of your week um, and really being able to meet your resistance with more of that rest and digest time. We give you a full, uh, full four week program as well of videos that you can watch with those workouts. Uh, so specifically integrated for each week. So again, zero guesswork, you just click on the workout and you have a video 
with me and you can go through it from our signature program, Sweaty and Steady, which is our uh, on-demand fitness library, but you get it integrated into the guide. And that's where we go into phase three, which is, which is syncing with your lifestyle. And Val, do you mind speaking on why this part is important? Yeah, lifestyle's huge. <laughs> so again, just like in the nutrition piece, in the movement piece, there's these phases. So the body again is, it's at a time where like different gifts are almost shining in your body or like the way you're doing things. And in lifestyle, Sometimes we can think of like productivity, energy, goals, work environment, all of that kind of plays a role, right? And with these phases and these shifts, there's also different shifts going on when you feel more social, you feel more creative, you feel more intuitive, or maybe you want to go inward. Um, so lifestyle is a huge piece. And the cool part about lifestyle is we all live different lifestyles. So this is just a place for you to learn something new take what resonates with your lifestyle and then start adding them in and incorporating them in again with that phase-based strategy. And at the end of the day, everything that we're teaching you is just like tools and strategies for you to take what feels good for you. And like Lissy said, just with workout, like if you're like, Hey, I'm stressed, but I'm in a phase where I should have high energy. It's still okay to slow down again with, um, the lifestyle piece, the why it's so fun. And I think it's fun when you're like looking at your schedule or planning things. It's fun to say like, Hey, where am I at? Like right now, like, am I in my ovulation phase? Like, I feel good. I want to do a podcast. I want to talk to people. And it's so cool when you start looking at things and your lifestyle in that way, because it's fun. It's fun to really be in tune with what your body's needing and wanting. And then you, you can like almost understand why you felt so good that week because you listened in or you leaned in versus like, you know, questioning yourself, vice versa. So yeah, lifestyle is a big piece. <laughs> yes. And we make it super simple. So again, we are not those people who are just going to give you a list of things to do and say, do X, Y, and Z and hustle, hustle, hustle. Like we are just, <laughs> but that's very anti approach. So we actually make it super simple for you through a, a strategy called habit anchoring. So basically taking those things that are already a part of your everyday life. So those pre-existing behaviors. So literally think of things like brushing your teeth, making your morning coffee, opening up the fridge in the morning when you're making breakfast or getting into bed, setting out your pajamas, anything like that. You can actually anchor in new habits on top of that. So that makes it feel really natural. It helps make it feel sustainable, things that you don't even need to think about integrating throughout your day. So again, we don't take that checklist approach. We make it super, super simple for you to make this a real sustainable um, concept of your life. So then we move into phase four, which is where we tie it all back into our diabetes management, because again, the whole concept of, you know, just do the same boluses or do the same routine every single day, it doesn't serve us. And we kind of, that's what this whole podcast was about. So when we think about our boluses and our insulin management, we want to tie that in. So again, I'm going to hand it off to Jeff to kind of talk about that and what, yeah, talk about phase four. Yeah. So you know, looking at the different phases of our cycle, there might be phases where you're more sensitive to insulin phases that you're more resistant to insulin. 
Um, so there are definitely different um, bolus strategies that you can use for these different times, um, different techniques you might use with your basal rates or just getting curious about the different basal rates that you may need for different times of your cycle. Um, yeah, and I think just really getting curious how does your carb ratios work during that certain time of the month um, or with certain activities, different workouts? Um, and all that ties back into your management and again, can be really um, empowering versus dreading, you know, that insulin resistance part, taking it as an opportunity to say, okay, what potential strategy can I use to still have good blood sugars? Right. And I think it's so powerful to say, to really walk into that predictability and feel it on a way that really flows. So be able to say, okay, I'm in this phase. I know exactly what setting to change on my pump or what preset to, to go back to and lean on or exactly what workouts to do or exactly what things to incorporate in my diet. And it all like, it, it all helps us find that predictability, not only in our day to day and be able to know, okay, exactly what times I'm feeling productive and energetic, but you know, what to expect in our blood sugars. When can I expect more resistance? When can I lean in a little bit more? instead of just feeling like we have to throw our hands in the air and just kind of give in sometimes because it can be really exhausting just kind of chasing those, those blood sugars and not knowing, okay, like at what point, like what gives. Um, so we want to bring, we want to bring this resource to the diabetes community really to take that different approach that meets you where you are, instead of giving an oversimplified and overgeneralized approach to your management that we know doesn't quite work too well. Um, yeah, I'm super excited for it. We are officially launching. Well, this podcast will actually be launching on the day that we launch. So on November 22nd, we are releasing the guide. If you were in the first 20 people to join us, you're actually going to have the opportunity to get bonus uh, coaching from all three of us. So you have the opportunity to be in a bonus Facebook group where we will actually be guiding you through the guide. So um, starting on January 4th, you'll have a month of access to coaching with us so that we get to answer all your questions, provide feedback in that Facebook group, do live trainings, um, all the things that you would normally get from coaching with us inside of Keep You 100, but inside of this Facebook group. So that even though it is a done, a, a do-it-yourself resource, you're not actually doing it yourself. You have us right by your side. So we're really excited for this bonus. So again, if you join us inside of the insulin sensitivity syncing method between November 22nd and by November 26th, and you're the first 20 people, you will have access inside this group and be able to hang out with your new best friends, aka all three of us. <laughs> Thank you so much again for joining us inside this episode of Keep 100 Radio. We hope that you loved it as much as we love creating it. And again, we would love to invite you inside of the insulin sensitivity syncing method. This is our four-phase strategy to sync your blood sugars with hormonal shifts, daily nutrition, workouts, sleep patterns, and your personal lifestyle. We've taken everything that we've learned from working with hundreds of type 1 diabetics and created this four-week do-it-yourself solution to navigating insulin sensitivity without the diet restriction, overtraining, and increasing stress on your body. The insulin sensitivity syncing method equips you with restriction-free solutions to help you navigate insulin sensitivity on your own terms. So the moment that you join us, you get access to your complete interactive guide that's filled with our four-phase insulin sensitivity syncing strategy, five in-depth video trainings from the full Needles and Spoons coaching team, 12 family-friendly phase-based recipes, a full insulin sensitivity-focused exercise program, two interactive trackers, and when you purchase your guide by Friday, November 26th, you'll be given bonus access to private coaching support from all three Keep 100 coaches. That's right, you'll be invited inside our monthly 
long private Facebook group where we'll be giving live trainings, answering all of your questions, and giving individual feedback as you complete your guide. Coaching Inside the Group starts on January 4th so that you can enter the new year fully supportive. You can get started inside the insulin sensitivity syncing method inside the link in the show notes. We cannot wait to see you inside.